0: Proclaiming truth to restore life and liberty. This is The Future of America with your host, Nena Arias. She has proclaimed truth for over 40 years in many nations of the world and now endeavors to restore the values of the biblical worldview that made the United States of America the most powerful nation in the world. Ideas have consequences. They're passed on from generation to generation, forming the culture of a society. To eradicate error, the moral and ethical principles of the Bible must be firmly established in the heart and mind of each individual. Discover how to apply biblical principles to transform your world. And now, your host, Nena
1: Arias. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. End of quote from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Did you get that? When there's no hope, when there's lack of hope, it makes your heart sick. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about the actual organ. It's talking about the deep down within spirit of an individual. So it says when there's no hope, or when hope is delayed, when hope is withheld, it's put off for later, it's postponed, it's kept back, it's obstructed or prolonged. When there's an absence of hope, it says that it makes the heart sick. Now we know that when the heart is sick, then the mind and the emotions get sick. They're influenced by the feelings of the heart. And we know that when the heart is sick, the mind and the emotions are sick. It's just a matter of time that the physical body gets sick because it's too much drain on the immune system. It has to deal with too much sadness, confusion, stress. Depression. Now do you see how important hope is? And the second part of that proverb says, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You can draw strength from a desire fulfilled. You feel accomplished. You feel satisfied. You feel that you have been reciprocated in something that you have desired. So needless to say, Hope is a lifeline. And the question is, where is the hope for America? This is part number three and the conclusion of this topic. So I am so glad that you decided to join us. I'm Nena Arias. No matter how bleak the world outlook is, we must encourage ourselves. Do you know why? If your trust is in the Almighty who created heaven and earth, then you have nothing to fear, no matter what we see around us, because God is still on his throne. He will never be dethroned. No one can ever usurp his position. Oh, somebody has tried, but they did not succeed. And this is what God tells us in his word in Matthew 19:26. With man, this is impossible, but with God all Things are possible. End of quote. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't play games. He doesn't fool around. So when he says that with him all things are possible, guess what? All things are possible. Now we know that God can only work within the framework of his will. If he concedes anything else, it will not be a good thing. So many times what we think God should fulfill, guess what? It's not going to be for our good. So it is not that God is failing us and not giving us what we have asked for. It's that we have asked wrong. And if he gives us what is wrong, he's not doing us any good. So all things that are asked of God according to his will that will truly be for good, He will give us. In our previous program, we mentioned a true fact, and that is that God has always had a faithful remnant that refuses to give up. They will not be bought or sold. They will not turn their back on God. They're steadfast, and they're holding on for dear life. Our job is to keep producing this faithful remnant, in every generation by striving to learn God's truth, to know his will, to discern it and to implement it in our lives and pass it on to our children and our children's children. And we also mentioned that we must remember that good seeds never die. That's right. All ideas never die and ideas do have consequences. So you can imagine. The benefits that we reap when we plant good seeds in life, good values, good principles, good qualities, good disciplines, good goals. All this must be passed on to our progeny, to the next generation, and they in turn to the next generation. We owe ourselves to others. We have to wrap our mind around the two most important commandments that we must observe. The first commandment is to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And commandment number two is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If everything we do fits into those two categories, guess what? We're on the right track. And you do not even have to be a Bible scholar to know that. God has placed within us a conscience that when we gear it toward good, it will always guide us to that good. It is the Spirit of God that dwells within us, and especially if we pray and ask God to guide us, guess what? He will. If you haven't listened to the previous parts of this topic, I highly recommend that you do. We are building one episode or one program upon another, and we mentioned that each child or person that we meet has a treasure deposited in them and that they are given to give to the world. And it should not remain hidden or uncultivated. That is what makes you, you. That is what gives you your personal, individual expression. And we were all created to enjoy those gifts, but also to give them to others that they too may enjoy the benefit of those talents and abilities and aspects of our character and of our understanding of life that not only blesses us, but we can bless others. As parents, we should do our best to see that that treasure in each of our children can see the light of day and we can create a vibrant nation through their eyes. So we should not just see the world through our eyes. We must also see the world through the eyes of our children. What are they seeing? How are they perceiving the world? What kind of conclusions are they coming to? That is our responsibility when those children are under our care, and especially in their formative years where they are accumulating their value system. That's where it's at. And first of all, we must teach them God's truth. There's no other aspect of life that will supersede God's truth. Never. And that should be priority so we can help them answer the most important existential questions that every human being needs to answer satisfactorily. Questions like, who am I? You might say, well, that's so basic. Yeah. How many people in the world can answer who they are? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Do you know where you are going? Why you are here? What is your purpose while you are here on earth? If you don't know that, and if we don't know it, the world will teach our children for us. And guess what? The world will teach them lies. The prominent trends and opinions in the world are guided by greed, envy, lust, power hungry. So whatever our children receive from the world, you can bank on it. It's going to be distorted. It's going to be contaminated. They will be told that they come from nothing through a process of evolution and that they are derived from animals. Is that what you want your children to learn? And if not, you better do something about it, because that is the prominent theory or information that they are being fed at school. Schools, public schools, are not allowed to teach creationism from the biblical perspective for the most part. Not even so that the children can compare one to the other. It's dogmatic. So your children will learn that they came from or through a process of evolution. From nothing came everything. What kind of reasoning is that? Is that what you want for your children? And they are taught that they come or are derived from the animal kingdom. What kind of responsibility or character or respect or values can we learn from animals that will apply to human life? No, ladies and gentlemen, we must be proactive in teaching our children the right things children are smart very smart they're very observant and they will put two and two together and arrive at the conclusion that they are worthless and have no future that they can look forward to least of all control if we're all part of a evolutionary process so what's the use they're being taught that after this life there's nothing else or they are taught myths and untruths is that what you want your children to believe is that going to hold them steadfast and steady in life if they think they are worthless if they think they came from nothing and that their future is bleak if it even exists come on after the biblical truths are embedded in our children's understanding then we teach them about history the history of their nation. And we must be very careful that we do not teach history from the revised sources. We must teach them from unrevised sources, meaning our true history. Our true history has been purged from a lot of truth by people who do not want to tell the true history of America. And you must go to Trustworthy Sources. To that, I can point you to the Wallbuilders Library at wallbuilders.com. The founder is David Barton, and he has worked very hard to accumulate and to offer trustworthy historical sources. Teach your children the design of America from the very beginning, And I'm not talking from 1776. I'm talking about all the way back since 1620, 400 years ago. How has this design called the United States of America? How has it unfolded? How did it start? Read the writings of the originators from 1620. Listen to their thoughts. Read the Mayflower Compact which they signed before they even disembarked from the Mayflower. Read it. That was their original intention, and our children must know this. American children must know that their nation was built upon a providential history, meaning God-ordained, God-directed, with great evidence that its birth and development was God's idea. We were God's idea. And that has been changed, but we must bring it back because that is the truth. This nation was formed by patriots, by pastors, by entrepreneurs who believed in God's design for this nation, and they were willing to give their all for it. Many of them paid the ultimate price. They chose to live like their nation's survival and prosperity depended solely upon them. And guess what? It truly does. The survival and prosperity of our nation depends on each and every one of us and the decisions that we make and how we live and what heritage we pass on. Each of us, every family, has a duty to fight for spiritual and physical freedom, lest we become enslaved in every way. That's where things have a tendency to go, enslavement. We must resist it. Always the core values that God has given us to live by must be defended on every level. Whether in the family, in our community, in our education, in our commerce, in our government, we must always be vigilant. Also in the economy and even the arts. What kind of art are you exposing yourself to? What do you listen to in music? What are the lyrics? What is the inspiration? All that is going to impact your spirit. Every discipline and field of human development has a moral structure to follow. Whether you believe that or not, that is the truth. Something very important to consider is that rather than just trying to change the adults in our society, which is a daunting task to say the least, We must invest in the younger generations and help them to be more prepared. With God's help, that is where our hope for the future lies. That is where our hope for the future rests on how many young people we can equip to face the challenges ahead, to begin the shift in the right direction. That is what the God-haters, the leftists, the progressives have done. They've been very consistent for generations to inculcate their warped ideas into our young people, and they very astutely got into our public school systems, and they changed the textbooks, and now their ideology, their mentality, is what rules in our academic institutions. We've gotten off track, ladies and gentlemen and we must get back, but how do we do this? C.S. Lewis says something very important. C.S. Lewis was a British writer and a lay theologian, and he said the following, and I quote, We all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. End of quote. We've detoured. We must go back to where we took the wrong turns as a nation. In our culture, in our beliefs, in our system of values, how we make decisions, how we fix our lifelong goals. Good things don't just happen. You have to make wise decisions to make them happen if you just let your life develop organically, quote unquote, you're going to be blown from one side to the other. Your life will be very unstable. Confusion will set in and you will be in very deep trouble. And there's no doubt that in America, we have taken the wrong turns from the road we were given by God as a nation that worked. The sooner we turn back to where we detoured, the sooner we will get back on track to fulfilling our divine design. Hope lies in retraining a whole new generation to follow God. And I'm happy to report that many parents, churches, organizations, colleges, and universities have done that and are doing just that. Training Christian conservative leadership. Hillsdale College comes to mind. They've long been training Christian conservatives for public service. Also, the Patriot Academy trains young people how to function in government. They do mock trials. They do mock courts where they pass the bills as if they were in Congress. The young people get practice at this. It's amazing. So we see that a lot of these institutions are doing their level best to raise a whole new generation to rise up to the occasion of what we are seeing. Those seeds are now beginning to bear fruit, and we are blessed to see a whole new crop of Christian conservatives who are almost at the age where they can begin to make a difference. So investing in our young people and raising a whole new generation to love God and fulfill their life's calling individually and in the nation where they were placed, that's the best thing we can do. And of course, always pray for our nation. We pray and we work. We work and we pray. Now here is where we have to use a lot of honesty in assessing the status of our young people and what we need to do to direct and encourage them in the right direction. They have been shortchanged. First, we have to mention that too many of our young people are unhappy. They're confused and very dissatisfied with their lives. And is it any wonder we stripped them of all the values that give that stability to a life? Recently, Dennis Prager wrote an article titled, Why Are So Many Young People Unhappy? And it's posted on the National Review website on January 21, 2020. And I will quote loosely from this article because it is very important and very insightful. If we're going to know how to redirect our young people, we must know what they're going through. But you can read the entirety on the website, the National Review website with this title, Why Are So Many Young People Unhappy? It's a two-part article, and here are some of the sad statistics that this article reports. For instance, in America between 1946 and 2006, the suicide rate quadrupled for males ages 15 through 25 and doubled for females the same age. Can you imagine? No, you can't, but it's sad. In 1950, the suicide rate per 100,000 Americans was 11.4. In 2017, it was 14. Now, according to Grant Dew, Director of Research and Evaluation of the Minnesota Department of Corrections, in the 1980s, there were 32 mass public shootings, which he defines as incidents in which four or more people are killed publicly with guns within a 24-hour period. In 1990, there were 42. In the first decade of this century, there were 28. In all, the 1950s, a whole decade, when there were fewer controls on guns, there was one. And 50 years before that, in the 1900s, there were none. What is that telling us? The Reuters Health reported in 2019, and I quote, Suicidal thinking, severe depression, and rates of self-injury among U.S. college students more than doubled over less than a decade, a nationwide study suggests, end of quote. And the study that co-author Jean Twang, a psychologist professor at San Diego State University said, and I quote, it suggests that something is seriously wrong in the lives of our young people, end of quote. We cannot ignore these symptoms and these tendencies in our young people. It is very interesting to note that this data is not only applicable to Americans. Listen to this. Social commentator Kay Heimowitz wrote in City Journal in 2019, and I quote, Loneliness, public health experts tell us, is killing as many people as obesity and smoking. Germans are lonely. The French are lonely. And even the Scandinavians who are supposed to be the happiest people in the world, according to the UN World's Happiness Report, are lonely too. Prime Minister Theresa May appointed a minister of loneliness. Consider Japan, a country that is now experiencing an epidemic of what is called lonely deaths, quote unquote. Local Japanese papers regularly publish stories about kinless elderly whose deaths go unnoticed until the telltale smell of maggot-eaten flesh alerts neighbors. End of quote. What is happening here? Though people have more money, better health care, better health, they have better housing and more education, people are living longer than at any time in history, they, especially young people, are unhappier than at any time since the data collection began. Dear friends, we must ask ourselves, why has this happened? Dennis Prager says, There are any number of reasons increased use of illicit drugs and prescription drug abuse and less human interaction because of constant cell phone use are two widely offered valid explanations. Less valid explanations include competition, grades anxiety, capitalism, and income inequality. And then there are young people's fears that because of global warming, they have a bleak and perhaps no future. I pause there. Dennis Prager is studying this situation, and this is what he offers. But this caught my attention, and I totally agree with him. Listen to this. The biggest reason may be the almost complete loss of values and meaning over the last half century. And I agree with Dennis Prager. We have lost our bearings. We have lost the values that give us worth and meaning and purpose. America was founded on two sets of values, biblical values and American values. And this combination created the freest, most opportunity-giving, most affluent country in world history. This is a fact. We're not making it up. And it was regarded as such throughout the world. This is why France gave America, and only America, the Statue of Liberty. That's why people from every country on earth want to immigrate to America. We provide people with non governmental institutions, and that provides Americans with friends. And to provide the neediest Americans with help. This is the American way. But the larger the government has grown, many of these non governmental groups have dwindled in number. Another set of values, known as the middle class values, include getting married before you have a child, before you create a family. Get a job to sustain yourself and your family. Be self-disciplined. Be patriotic. All these are values that created America. It is sad that there are other tremendous hurdles to overcome. One in five young Americans has no contact with his or her father, and that does not include fathers who have died. 72% of black children were born to unmarried mothers. In 65, that was only 24%. In 2012, 29% of white children were born to unmarried women. In 65, it was 3.1. Tremendous odds. The majority of the births to millennials are to unmarried women. Single parents are generally the loneliest Americans. And a percentage of adults who have never married are at a historic high in America. What is happening to us? Do you know what has happened? We've lost our bearings, loss of meaning. We have let go of our foundation of biblical Christian values, and we are reaping the consequences. Ladies and gentlemen, the hope for America is to get back to these principles. Christians in America still claim to be the majority. Why can't we grab the reins of this runaway cart and bring it back and point it in the right direction? That is what we must do. And it is our calling at this time. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. May these truths challenge and change your heart. We hope today's topic has truly enriched your life so we can make America strong again. This program is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners. All donations are tax deductible. We would love to hear your questions or comments. Please visit our website at www.culturallegacy.org. You may email us at cl.culturallegacy.org or write to The Future of America, P.O. Box 38456, Greensboro, North Carolina, 27438. Call us at 877-732-2887. That's 877-732-2887. Remember, you are a person of positive or negative influence. What you do today will impact the future.